You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. 40 years ago, this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruben Yoshua Pupko of Beth Israel Beth Aaron, Cote St. Luke, Montreal's highest paid suburb, I guess, highest standard of living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have to come up with something for every week um yeah yeah you know, you know we talk about the times of the times they are changing shabbos Hagodol used to be of course uh in, in as you know rabbi uh twice a year the lithuanian rav or the uh galiziana rav would ascend the pulpit address the oilum uh sort of like a it was supposed to be a tour de force almost uh shabbos Hagodol and the shabbos trooper uh, and, and we have records of these elaborate Shabbos Agodal Droshas, Shabbos Shuvah Droshas, uh, because the idea was really uh, of the rabbi speaking every week uh, before Musaf or uh, on every every Shabbos was something... It didn't exist. No, it didn't exist. It was a modern uh, convention that many people took umbrance of. They thought it was it was taken from the Christian uh, church mentality of a sermon. Right. But we know that despite the fact that we have included the weekly drosha, the weekly sermon, uh, the Shabbos Agodal drosha and the Shabbos Shuba drosha still in a, in a way have, they're ensconced and in a very important place. Uh, but I don't know. It's been, been definitely been chipped away in, 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 as years. Well, I'll tell you what's ruined it is people like you. You're, you're mostly to blame for the... <laughs> <laughs> no, because, you know, you have all these shiurim online now. I mean, like, Every, people go to these websites, everything from YU to VOU to uh, VBM, Virtual Bait Midrash, all these things. You, you you sit in your house and you turn on things and rabbis appear on your screen and they talk to you. You yeah. know, this is a newfangled thing, you know, and uh, <laughs> so, so it has certainly, no, no, I, 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 listen, in all seriousness, uh, Shabbos Agadol Drushes still occur. Uh when uh, when I was when 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 I was much younger or, or a little bit younger, uh, my <laughs> late father always put an ad in the Agamemnon Journal for his Shabbos Agadol and then when I became a rabbi, he started putting mine in, as if anyone in my circle was reading the Agamemnon Journal. I mean, I don't know what those ads, who those ads were for, but I still I persist in giving a Shabbos Agadol yes. and Shabbos Shuvah even though I speak to these poor people, have to listen to me hundreds of times a year. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but maybe I have like one or two interesting thoughts a year um, in a good year. And uh, in, and yet we're forced to uh, talk to uh, our people uh, every you, Shabbos. So there is an, I mean, in all honesty, because you, uh, well, you know, the same way you said that the, your congregants can go online and hear halacha right. and Jewish. I'm sure you could also. You're, this is open to yourself. You can also just basically download stuff yourself and you know recycle things not only from yourself. You could also listen, reuse things that are out there. I, I listen. I, <laughs> I I I try to. First of all, most of the stuff I listen to, I, I would never embarrass myself by using. Uh, <laughs> don't you remember the RCA used to come out with a book of of, of, of drushes every year? Okay, I have them all. I have them all because my father had them all. The RCA Sermon Manual. 
Yeah. So, so I, I, I don't look at them regularly. I, I don't, actually, I haven't opened one in years. I have them all, mostly because my father's dresses are in there, so I like to keep it for that reason. But even when I first became a rabbi and I would look at those sermon manuals, I, I'll, tell, I'll be blunt, the only sermons I ever used from there, if, if, you know, I'm, more, I'm open to be corrected on this, were my father's. Uh, Rabbi Lambs were good. And uh, and 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 actually, Rabbi Chevelle, you know the, the gentleman sure. who could time you know, very a lot of this stuff is is very time bound, you know, to the events of that year yeah. or whatever. Well, well, but uh, let me share with you, let me share with you an idea that Rabbi Zevin uh, promoted in one of the uh, um, approbations to one of his books when he talked about. I think it was the, is the when he gave Ascoma to Rav Mendel's axes safer. Uh, uh, who was out of Chicago. He was the son-in-law of right. Pesach Frank. Right. Beautiful Jewish safer, Menachem Tzion, it's called. Right. I have that somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, Rav, Rav Zevin says that when you, uh, when the Rabbani Shalom, according to Chazal, uh, showed Odomarishan door, door, vidor shove, right. it wasn't <laughs> that he sat there for a, a, a interminable, you know, a, a thousand hour movie of everything, okay. you know. What it was, was he gave him the Drush, and from the Drush, Otto Marishan was able to sense the zeitgeist and what was important in the generation. Right. So in other words, I you give me the Drush of a generation and I'll tell you what's bothering them. I'll tell you what's going oh, 100%. on. 100%. And by the way, people don't do that enough with Medrash. Medrash is the same thing. I, I, I agree. The, 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 but what they're worried there, uh, Rabbi, is that I don't want to be too historical in the Medrash and, and sort of say it was only a product of its time. I, I see it as part of Chazal's frozen eternal truths. But, but, I, but definitely in Sifre Drush, whether it's the Drushes of the Tzlach, the Drushes of the Hafla, the Drushes of the Hafla's son, the, the Lach Maitoido, oh, you see, you see consistently what the community was doing, yeah, for what, sure. they, what they were in, what were the Averis. I mean, Everybody loves the Yoris Dvash because we can see that 200 years ago, they were just, in many ways, just as lasciviousness and just as involved in Pruskite as we were, you know, in right. about things. Yes, it's very comforting to know that, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, a Darshan always has a right to exaggerate up to a certain point. But yeah. but it, but you're right. And, and in those ways, though, it limits, since so much of the Drosha was for what the community needed at that time, the Divri Torah in it, is hard to uh, to sort of like uh, pair away, and then you, I'll tell you what's you know, interesting to look at. Even the drush of the last fifty years, you go back to the early seventies. Let's say you look what rabbis were talking about then, and it is shocking to discover for some that there is, you know, as it relates to Israel, especially nothing has changed. I mean, these rabbis were railing about the UN in the seventies and about the you know the leftists and all this and people somehow are under the delusion that it just started with i don't know with wokeness or something it's been going on a long time um th that's interesting it's also interesting to see the way rabbis in the 60s and 70s were beginning to talk about intermarriage as a serious crisis and how they saw that going uh it's also interesting to see the early years when orthodoxy became uh, more uh, solidified in, in, in the U.S. to see the rabbinic response to that, uh, you know, the great joy they took in that, while also warning of triumphalism 
Um, yeah, so there are very interesting things there. You also, you also see how irrelevant some of this stuff is. Like, like you go back to the 50s and 60s, you know, Orthodox rabbis were obsessed with the conservative reform movement, which obviously was a complete waste of time because they've done absolutely no damage to the <laughs> Jewish world, none at all. And people thought they were damaging. No, they were not. They didn't do anything. They were completely ineffectual. I mean, I, in, my, in my 41 I, I, years, yeah, I, 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 I rabbi... I, I've had one congregant leave to go to a conservative show because his wife was a Hilaria who who desperately needed those two hours to sit next to her husband and, and bother <laughs> him because she saw him davening in a men's section as escaping her clutches. But uh, uh, other than that, uh, no, I mean... But you know what? You, but, but really, you know, as you know, you look at Nachum Glatzer's book um, about American Orthodoxy and American Judaism, I think, in general, uh, and it was written at a time where the conservative Judaism was, as, as, as you know, looked like it was going to be the dominant force. They they were building these incredible... But people businesses. misunderstood it then. They misunderstood their success and they misunderstand their failure. In other words, when you look at the Pew reports, which shockingly show that reform is the largest, it's complete baloney. All it shows is that 50 years ago, the default answer of the unaffiliated was I'm conservative just because it was just more present, right? And today the default answer of the unaffiliated is I'm reform. It, 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 none of them are in members of synagogues. They're not going to those reform conservative synagogues. They're just, that's all that's changed. Why the conservative movement uh, you know, gets less support in these studies than does the reform movement. But in reality, conservative synagogues are are are, are suffering. The movement can't produce uh, rabbis. The, 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 the congregants don't go to synagogue. Uh, remember, the conservative and reform Jews in America are exactly like their non-Jewish neighbors, which is church doesn't isn't central anymore, and and Jews live in urban areas, mostly liberal areas. Where church is not central, you know, uh, it just, I mean, you, you look at the anti Semitism. Okay. Look at Pittsburgh Synagogue and Colleyvale, where there were, you know, recent events, you know, of, of violent nature. How many people are in the building when the terrorists showed up? I mean, it's obvious. Well, I, mean, I, I would say, I would say the Tree of Life Synagogue is more reflective of your point than Colleyville, Texas, which I don't right. know as any Jews. Right. By the way, Charlie seems to have, uh, my colleague is, is a well normal Jews in America. When I say normal, I really should use the word average. Average Jews in America. Why they? Why would they go to synagogue on a Saturday morning and sort of? I mean, no, why? The reform movement is 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 doing better numerically because they've embraced non-Jews to a large extent. I mean, they're they're the recent converts, and um, but uh, that whole era is over. We are way post denominational. And and you still, but the bizarre, I mean, the circus that we're witness to is the, uh, and again, Israel may be different, but, you know, where you have Israeli rabbis warning of the presence of reform and concern of Israel, because look what they did to America. They didn't do anything to America. They served the non-religious Jew who was non-religious because that's nothing, their, their, their lack of religiosity had nothing to do with the concern reform movement. Certain reform movement just serviced them. I get it. It had nothing to do with them. Right. I, I understand. It's not like they um 
indoctrinated them and convinced them to leave where they where they were. They were already there. They just needed some place to have their bar and bat mitzvah. Yeah, some place to do. Oh, and Rosh Hashanah Kippur, whatever you know. And, and now they don't do even do that. Uh, and that's it. You know, it's it's over. That whole era is over. It's over. Way over. Yeah. Well, you know, you, 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 we, we got we, we started talking about this because we, we were talking about looking at Sifrei Druish and sermons from a certain era and uh, appreciating the, historic, the historiosity, I guess, of it without necessarily the content. Let's talk about the content. I mean, it, it, for, for your audience. Um, I, I know that you know you, you what you say. You printed up the sources. What are you trying to convey in your Shabbos Agadah Rosh? What is it that you really want them to, to come out of? Besides being oh, oh, oh I, I, but, yeah, that's a very good question. What I think about is how to add another layer of meaning to to Yontif. That's all. Okay. In other words, something about the Seder or Pesach in general that they may not have appreciated beforehand to to, to bring them. You know, a different level of understanding about the Haggadah, a different level of understanding about the Seder or Pesach. You know, to, to, to add, to add uh, a, 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 some profundity or sophistication to, to their to their observance. Yeah. So I, I would assume, just from the, the the adjectives that you're using and the terms, that it's it would probably be mostly like a what we would call a machshava or a philosophical idea. Or a, a textual analysis leading to a philosophical idea. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. So the, the, the halachic aspect, which was oh, that's gone. That, that's been gone for centuries. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I well, I, I assume it's still on display in, 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 in certain places. Uh, where, I don't know. Would the Hasidish guys still do halacha at all? Who does halacha? I would assume that in in, in Mill Basin, in Lakewood, in you know places of yeshivisha. Uh, I, I was told they mostly do a god. I think they do like 15 minutes of luck at the end. I mean, listen, you're talking to a learned audience. What aspect of Pesach halacha do they need to hear about? Yeah, look, but again, if the idea is, and I know this is foreign to, let's say, Beth Israel, Beth Aaron, or many other shuls, right. but even in, you know, in the shul that I am connected to, the Rav, Rav Taik, still starts with a question. He starts with a Rambam, and he does try to develop some halachic yisod. I can't say that it's going to turn heads and you're going to need to cast. No, I, I, I would push back a little bit. I think the halacha, depends how you use the word halacha. What do you mean? Like, Give me an example, a marshal. What do you mean? Give me an right. Well, look, I, I I can't speak for Rabbi Tights, but I will say that one of the things that he, you know, he, he always tries to explain is, you know, why is there, you know, he, he comes with a question, an Arambam who explains something about, uh, let's say, Halel. Uh, oh, or, okay, no, if that's what you mean, yes, I do that as well. I thought you meant, you know, ritual halacha, not... You're talking about halacha slash agada almost at the same time. Well, well you know, or or that basically, let's say that the mitzvahs of, of that you're doing at night are a kiyam in halacha or something. Right, like right, that. okay, all right. Now, okay, if you call that halacha, I do halacha. Right. In other words, yeah. that, and that's why it, everything has to be done by chatzos, and that's why you even have all to right, okay, halacha. because the mitzvahs, right, some sort of idea that that you say, right. you, in other words, he's not trying to necessarily explain. Why you're not over about your about your uh, you know, you know, in a certain period or with a certain type of chametz nuksha. That's not what he's trying to be metaris. He's right. trying to be. He's trying to say, mm, isn't this a little bit of an anomaly? Why you have this shita uh, of the noy Behuda that you have to finish the halal before chatzais? Oh, it must be, you know. And then right, you know, right, you know, okay, all right. Then, then I would say that 
uh, I fall under the umbrella of halacha as well. Yes. Right. In other words, you're, you aren't just saying, why do we have four sons? You aren't just saying, you know, let's talk about the four Lashon. No, but when you say halacha, I, I picture somebody getting up and trying to figure out how much a kazayas is and, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, well that's also an interesting thing because if you look in some of the um, uh, Sifrei Drush or from the past or, or the records that we have, uh, you see also an adjuration to instruct. And sometimes the Rav here does that, and I've heard other Rabbanim do it as well. How much matzah, what to be machmir on, uh, what things not to worry about in terms of Batikas Chomets. Do you do anything of that as well? Like just to give some. I, I send out stuff. I mean, I, I've been, you know, maybe I got bored doing it, but I, I you know, I, I, I answer an enormous number of silos before. I'm sure. I'm sure you're. Most, you know, you know, it always, you know, it's mostly the women who call, obviously, and uh, uh, about preparing for Pesach. But um, uh, you know, in terms of instructions, we send stuff out. But uh, generally, you know, you're dealing with you're not dealing with people who are to their first rodeo. And yeah, uh, you I, know, I understand, but you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, for you know, sometimes the the, the rov wants to emphasize if it's a question of you know, grape juice versus wine, or if it's a question of, uh, of of how to run things. I think that there's there's a comfort level hearing the rabbi sort of insert himself as the as as, as the father of the seder. And I guess that's I mean, a cool. lot of the a lot of the questions I get. Not a lot, but the difficult questions I get are are, are family con, uh, conflicts related to seder and, and pesach. In other words, you know, my sister in law isn't from. She wants the kids to beat the Seder. Can we start at six o'clock instead of eight thirty? Sure. So those kind of questions. Those are very, that, I, I, I'm not saying it's a difficult silo, but it, it hurts because you know it's a, it's a family conflict, and you know, sure, and, especially and, as we've turned the clocks now, so the Seder right. is going to start very late. And yeah. uh, luckily, the, the post can say you have to make kiddish when it's already after Seisakalchovim. Right. So you know, and some people. You know, I have a, a my grandparents can't stay up that late. Can we, you know, can we do this? Can we, can we have a sem? Can we start the seder before? Make kiddush late? You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Right. You know, and I, I, you know, it's, I don't, you know, I, you don't have a one answer fits all, right? I find those. I, I just find that whole scenario sad because these are all people trying to do the right thing. Even you know, even the people asking for early, all try. Oh, I want my kids there. I want my grandparents there. You know, I mean, you know, and. uh and to go ahead and expect people who don't understand Zmana Yayoma, this kind of stuff, to to want to sit down at a Seder at 8.30 at night, you know, and, and then wait two hours before you can eat, that's not a, you know, that's not something that's, that they're, you know, able to adjust to easily. Yeah, and I, and I think that this is probably something that I'm sure you, by a case-by-case situation, I'm sure you can meet out. Yeah, it's hard. It's I, you know, it, it just it, you know, it's a shame that it has to come to this. It's, it's, I find it dispirit. It's, it's it's sad, right? Um, and and recognizing that you know, the seder is, is is for many of the uh, of your still congregants the times that the family gets together in, in, in right. a meaningful way. You know, maybe one of the few times during the year that that happens. Yeah, and it's a sad thing. Yeah, what I but. You know, okay, so th- how long is how long are, do you uh, a lot for your drasha? How long do you usually take? For, I my problem is like this: <laughs> I'm forced to make the schedule about a month before, before I have, right when I begin thinking about the drasha, and at that point I have nothing to say. 
So I, I always put in 45, the other fear that I won't have enough, and I end up going an hour. So I, oh, this an year, hour. Wow. Yeah, yeah, usually about an hour. It's, it's, I mean, it's, the least is 45, 50, and I, the most is an hour, an hour, five. It's a long drive. But uh, my problem is my, I, I, I mess myself up with the scheduling because I'm always pissed. I'm always fearful I won't have enough to say. But the, um, but uh, yeah. this year I booked it for 50, 5 Look, I think studies have shown in schools that the average attention span of students really wanes at about 25. I mean, look at, I'm sure most of the people, well, I, again, most of the people listening to this podcast have probably tuned out already because I think we just did 25. <laughs> no, but, no but, but honestly, if you had someone as entertaining and as engaging as me, the, the attention span yeah. increased. Yeah. So let's talk about that part. Uh, before you get, before you roll up your sleeves and get to the nitty gritty, um, we talked about stories before. I mentioned. Um, do you have your jokes? Do you have your stories? Do you have your? your, your... I have no jokes for. Oh, I, I have an interesting story for for the Shabbosagot grocery. Yes, I have an interesting thing. Yeah, and 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 where and do you do you go to a Sipuri Mysias or do you find them? Where do you find your stories? Uh, I I don't. I, I most of my stories have nothing to do with Jews. So it's based on your your your, your vociferous and extensive reading. No, no, it's based on uh, you know stories that are relevant to what I'm going to be talking about, but aren't necessarily don't originate in the Jewish context at all. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. I think the the Dubna Magid said it said it wonderfully well when they asked when he was asked and, and please do not. As usual, do not steal the thunder on this one. Okay, okay, okay. you know what I'm going to say. I'll be myself. Mute <laughs> yourself. No, we know the Dumna Magid said when he was asked about how did he come up with such beautiful, perfectly uh, stories right. that, that were so that that fit his his drusha so accurately and they were so engaging. So he gave a mushal to that, and he says, "My mushal is the following." He says, "There was once a king that uh, offered his daughter's hand." For the archer that would be able to uh, be to uh, shoot the arrow exactly in the middle of the target, and that one would get the daughter's hand plus incredible riches, and the greatest archers uh, in in the whole uh, kingdom came, and they were ready with their rulers to measure, and they f- found this one fellow who was not known to be anything special, and his arrow was so perfectly put into the target that they, they were amazed. How was he able to do that? So under intense questioning, he finally knuckled and said, look, everybody else shot the arrow and maybe they hit it, maybe they didn't. What I did was I basically stuck the arrow into the, into the tree and then I painted the, 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 the target. target around it. And therefore it looks perfect. It's the same thing. I get the story first. The story is what I start with. And then I paint the, the nimshal around it so it sounds perfect. So you know, I think that the, uh, that I think is probably still being used. You know, you get this story that you say, where can I somehow, wh- wh- how can I now, you know, get the drusha exactly into, <laughs> into the story? People say, wow, that was so perfect. That's I, I read a story recently, I, or I, somebody actually was writing about a story really enjoys life every moment is meaningful but he just doesn't remember it a minute later so that's an easy story to use i mean it's a very very interesting story great musician a very interesting story it's a great story 
But then you can extrapolate from that story about people who live in the present, but don't have a few past, you know, and, and disconnection from history, or to see history just in slices, and not to see the bigger picture, you know, so you can use a story like that. That's a great story. Right, but it's nothing Jewish. Yes, yes, but of course, uh, if people want Jewish stories, they can go online to the internet, one of these weirdo wacko sites, and listen to people like uh, what's his name, Pesach Krohn or whatever, and listen to stories. Yeah, well, Pesach. Oh, so I'm a very close friend of Pesach, and Pesach works hard on on, on fine tuning his stories. The one that you probably have read about, who, I've never read a word he wrote. Ever read? It. Okay, but the one you've probably I've never heard. I've never heard him speak. I've never I will read tell it. you, there is a one that you should listen to. I heard him live. And I read his. Um, I have no no hesitance in in. Melech Biederman, Eli Melech Biederman, who yeah. is who is who is a, a tremendous darshan, a gerachosid, right. who um, who is you know, collects stories and is able to seamlessly weave them into his different Torah. And people, he's he's wonderfully um, uh, entertaining, and his he, he his stories also have a. A modern feel to them because he really, uh, you know, they deal with things that are going on uh, today. And, uh, you know, I, I think there, what's happened is despite what we think is the ultra sophistication era to throw, people still want to hear, you know, they still want to have a, some sort of drama, some sort of tragedy, yeah. some sort of thing. And I think that the, the, the more, I guess this is what I would say on this point. Do you find that Stories which are more contemporary in nature ring the bell more than the Balshemtov, and you know when he went on his travels on on Saturday night to some. Uh... I, I'm trying to think of the stories I use. You know, it's an interesting question. I, I don't know the questions I, I the stories I tell. I, tr- I listen. Other people do this. It's certainly not unique to me by any stretch. But um, the stories that I find most compelling and interesting are stories about events that everyone knows but certain aspects of which they were unaware of you know uh uh, i'll give you an example just recently i was talking about ukraine right so uh petlora pogroms people some people know the pogroms the first part of the 20th century okay how many people know that some you know i think we talked about a few weeks ago petlora was murdered on the streets of paris by a jew avenging the deaths of his family how many people know that story? How he was tried in a Paris courtroom and, and acquitted. He was acquitted because, yes. Yeah, because of the testimony brought in. His name adorned streets in Israel. How many people know that story? People don't know that story. You know, and that should be known. So that those are the kind of things I like to talk about. In other words, you use the stories to be doctors. His scientific data, if you could use that expression, that he was garnering from the human experiments he was conducting on our brothers and sisters in Auschwitz, the uh, hypothermia and the other experiments, the data he was sending back to the guy managing his research was never prosecuted after the war, was, was promoted as the head of a hospital after the war, died and was buried with state honors after the war. I mean, how many people know that little piece of the story, which to me is extraordinarily, illust- extraordinarily illustrative of a much larger dynamic of how many people got away with something. But those are the stories that I find compelling. Yeah, well, look, but they are, let, let, let's put it this way. People always ask me, you know, in my wisdom, so to speak. What I mean, I don't I- tell stories about the guy that, you know, got off the plane because he left his film at the gate and then the plane took off and crashed. No, I don't tell stories like that. But, 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 but here, here's what I think is is, is yeah. needs to be said. 
people ask me, what should I talk about, Rabbi? My students come and ask me. And I say, look, what are you passionate about? What are you doing? What should I give a shear on? So I'll say, look, they'll say, you know, I, I happen to be learning this sugya, but I don't know if I, but I don't know if they're into it. I said, if you're into it, you can allow, you can, you'll work on it and you'll allow them to be into it. Now you're right. Another rabbi, perhaps, would never give a drush on that subject. But I you, agree with you 100%. If you don't care about it, they're not going to care about it. And, and, the, and therefore, the converse is what you care about amazingly can become an incredible drasha because of your passion. 100%. So in other words, if, if, if I would talk about Petluro or if I would talk about you know, the Mengel experiments, which I, I, I sort of know about, I don't think I would be able, as, not because I'm not as, as polished a speaker as you, which I'm not, but I don't care about it enough. It's not, to me, a cause celebre. So I think, I, I think the rabbis need, if they, if they care about something, and that's really the, the danger of, of pilfering from others' works, you know, right. because, because when it's something you worked on yourself, even if it's the different halacha in it, you, 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 you care about it you more. You can only pilfer things that after you read, you said, you know, I should have said that. Yeah, and, 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 and you end up, or you end up loving them, as opposed to. Right. In other words, it's something that is in sync with your own sensibility. Yes, and therefore, don't try to be anybody else. And the stories are the same way. I think you know, the, the, you, every rabbi should try to go with his strengths. For some reason, hey, I mean, I like to tell funny stories. I mean, I like. I recently told a story. It was very funny. How I visited a shiva house. This is a great story to end with. I visited a guy at somebody's shiva house. I'm sitting down. And it was one of these houses that have a lot of mirrors on the wall, small mirrors like tchotchkes things and all these weird things. And, and, and every mirror was covered by a towel stolen from a different hotel, which I thought was quite humorous. So I sit down. <laughs> I think that's hysterically funny. So I tell these, those kind of stories. I tell, I, I explain how I sat down with the family and I look around the room and I see, you know, Sheraton, Hilton, Holiday Inn. And I see all the towels and I turn to the family and I go, you know, at least he had a chance to travel. So I, you know, it's, that's a funny story. That's an objectively funny story. Yes, it, yes it, um, to many of my colleagues, that for so many people, the only time they actually enter people's homes is during a shiva. Yeah. Like they, they're not, they haven't. It's like I've never been here before. Well, you've been right. dabbling next to this guy in shul for years. Right. You never. Been this, you never. But this is the first time you're in. You're in that person's house, and I think that's a phenomenon. That I don't. I don't see that changing. People, people still, in many ways, you know, are firm about who their friends are. You know, there was a time when cities were smaller that everybody was in everybody's home. And I think that's... that's yeah, that's a different world. Which, which is something that I think that, uh, you know, yeah. perhaps, perhaps as, as we push through, maybe things will change. So, Rabbi, we, I wish you, uh, at this moment, a, a great Chakosh uh, Mesameach a successful Shabbos HaGadol Drosha. One thing about this Luach, I like it a lot, is when Shabbos HaGadol is a whole week before Pesach. Uh-huh. You know, so you don't have to, you know, you have time. Yes, yes. And and, and I'm sure that uh, you'll, you, won't, you won't need to be sending out, <coughs> you won't be needing to be sending out correctives. We'll catch you, everybody, hopefully, after Yontif. Take care, everybody. Uh, Rabbi, should I start be saying? Should I start saying forty-one years or off? What should I start? Should we... Oh, I don't know. Good question. I think we can keep rounding it off. I think. Yes. All right. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Be well. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 